Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys improve their practices. We're glad you can listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I'm your host, Christopher Anderson. I'm an attorney with a singular passion for helping other lawyers be more successful in running their law firm businesses. I work directly with lawyers across the country to help them achieve success in their law firms. I have been a managing partner, a practicing attorney at a law firm in Georgia, a product manager at LexisNexis, as well as a prosecutor in New York City. In this program, I have a chance to speak to you, as I do in presentations across the country, about operating and managing your law firm like a business. I have a chance to introduce you today to a new guest, as I do every single month, to talk to you about making your law firm work for you. Today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is The Gift of Sales, and my guest today is Bob Berg. Bob asks the question, can a subtle shift in focus really make that big of a difference in your business and income? And his answer to that is absolutely yes. Bob is a sought-after speaker at corporate conventions and for entrepreneurial events. He regularly addresses audiences ranging in size from 50 to 16,000, sharing the platform with notables including today's top thought leaders, broadcast personalities, Olympic athletes, and political leaders, including a former United States president. Although for years he was best known for his book, Endless Referrals, over the past few years it's been his business parable, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann, that has captured the heart and imagination of his readers. It shot to number six on Wall Street Journal's business bestsellers list just three weeks after its release, and also reached number nine on Business Weeks. It's been translated into 21 languages, and it's his fourth book to sell over 250,000 copies. His newest book is entitled Adversaries into Allies, Win People Over Without Manipulation or Coercion, which discusses how to master the art of ultimate influence. Bob is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He is an unapologetic animal fanatic and serves as a member of the board of directors of Furry Friends Adoption and Clinic in Jupiter, Florida. Bob can be reached on his website, www.berg.com, and that's B-U-R-G.com. So today we're going to be talking to Bob about why the gift of sales, the five laws of the go-giver. Um, and we're going to be talking to him because I met him at an event held by a fantastic program for solo and small firm lawyers being run by How to Manage a Small Law Firm, which is a firm that serves as managing partner, chief operating officer, and even chief financial officer to more than 100 solo and small law firms across the country. As a former managing partner myself and a serial entrepreneur, I'd never heard anybody talk about selling the way that Bob did. I quickly devoured his book, um, the bestseller, The Go-Giver, and believe that we as attorneys and entrepreneurs can learn much from this approach to that which so many of us dread, sales. Put quite simply, Bob discusses shifting your focus from getting to giving. And while this sounds nice, it's also very financially profitable. In his book, when Bob speaks about giving, he's talking in terms of constantly and consistently providing value to the lives of others. He shows that when you can take your focus off of yourself and shift it onto how you can be an asset of value to other people, you plant seeds of goodwill 
that will come back to you many, many times over. And not because of some magical or mystical type of thinking, but because it absolutely makes practical sense. I mean, to me, it seemed counterintuitive at first, even a little, you know, new age, feel good, maybe, and Bob, we'll talk to you about this, but maybe even a little naive. But as I learned more and got a chance to speak with Bob, I found that it was quite to the contrary. It was downright practical. Bob built his business and shows others how to build theirs based on one overriding foundational principle that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And with that somewhat lengthy introduction, I'd like to introduce Bob Berg and welcome him to the show. Welcome, Bob. Thank you, Christopher. Great to be with you. Uh, so great to have you uh, on the show. Um, you know, in my introduction, uh, I framed up the premise of your book, The Go-Giver, as perhaps a little counterintuitive, at least at first. Um, even the titles play on words. So the, the Go-Giver seems to acknowledge that it contradicts conventional wisdom. Um, was that intentional on your part? It was intentional because I think like any with any book, you know, they say you can't judge a book or shouldn't judge a book by its cover or by its title. But as consumers, that's exactly what we do. So you want your title to be something that is not only attractive to the people who uh, might be looking for something like that, but you want it to be an attention grabber and you want it also to be a, a little bit of a pattern interrupt, you know, the go giver, you know, a, a powerful business idea. What what could that have to do with this? You said, I thought you, you did a great job at the introduction of talking about how counterintuitive it was. And so, yes, it, it certainly, uh, it, it was. But also, the title needs to be congruent with the message of the book, which, you know, hopefully it, it, it was. Well, it certainly seemed to be, you know, once, once I got into reading it. So, could you explain to our listeners what the basic premise of the book is? Yeah, and you alluded to it earlier. It really is simply that shifting one's focus, and this is really the key, Christopher, shifting one's focus from getting to giving. And again, very key, when we say giving, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others. And that doing this is not only a, a nice way to live life, but a very financially profitable way as well. Uh, again, not not for some, you know, far out, new agey kind of reason, but for very practical uh, for very practical reasons, and that is when you shift your focus, when you're focused on bringing value to another human being, well, they feel good about you. They know, they like, they trust you, and they're much more likely to want to do business with you. Remember, they're not going to uh, purchase your legal services uh, because you want them to. They're going to do it because they feel by doing so, they're going to be receiving more in value than what they're paying. Yeah, and that, I mean, the, the reason the book struck me and why I really wanted you to, to come on the show, which I appreciate, was that of all the things uh, that lawyers like and dislike to do, marketing and sales are definitely on the list of things that lawyers approach with distaste, um, and particularly sales. I mean, we're taught as lawyers from early on that if you know we work hard at uh, being the best lawyers we can be, that the world will be the pathway to our door. Um, and I can tell you from experience and from the lawyers I work with, that's not always true. But sales, even even with lawyers that are struggling, sales feels distasteful to them. Like, like they're trying to convince people to pay for something they might not need. They see themselves as characters like in The Wolf of Wall Street, you know, just cold calling, trying to, trying to push stuff down people's throats, selling to people. Does your lesson have something that speaks to that school of thought? I mean, it did to me, but I'd like to hear what your perspective is on that. Well, one reason why I think lawyers who really wanted to be rainmakers have embraced the book, uh, and, and a former book I had called Endless Referrals, is because it's really written for people who, 
know, they're great at what they do. And typically lawyers are what Michael Gerber in the E-Myth series called technicians. They're mm-hmm. people who are wonderful at what they do. They're terrific at what they do. And if they could, they would like to just do that. But that's not how the world works. You've got to be able to sell your services. But what happens is, you know, sales has this, this really kind of negative connotation, right? And, and that's because of the way people define sales and have defined sales. And certainly there have been many salespeople that have projected that negative message by their actions. If people think that selling is trying to convince somebody to buy something they don't want or need, in other words, by you winning the other person loses, well, who would want to sell, you know, other than a con artist who that's, you know, exactly what they, they do. But most of us don't. Most of us want to know that we're adding value to the world and doing a good thing. Now, if you look at sales as simply determining what somebody wants or needs and helping them to get it, well, now sales is a very benevolent thing because you're adding value to another person's life in the way they want it to be. They want it to be added to. So when a, a lawyer understands that that's what selling is about, now you know selling your legal services takes on a whole different different frame of mind. Yeah, and I could. I mean, I see this this mistake not just in sales but in marketing as well with lawyers. Um, the, I think one of the reasons that we feel the way that we do about it is that so many of us approach both uh, regimes from our own personal perspective. We feel like we market ourselves and what we can do and we sell the services that we have. And what you seem to be saying is that that's backwards and we should be doing it from the perspective of, of the potential client. Exactly. Value is always in the eyes of the beholder. It's not about us. It's always about them. Now, if if we don't have a specific expertise and that's what that other person needs, well, then we, we shouldn't, you know, obviously take the gig. That's when you refer it to someone else who you know, like, and trust and can help that person. And, and you know, if that's supposed to come back to you one day, it will, and it, it often does. But what you've got to do is match the benefits of what you have to offer with what that other person needs, wants, or desires. And yeah. when you do that, and as you said, you look at it through the eyes of the the client, now you're on the right track. Yeah, and that makes sense. Though I want to hang on to one thing that you just said about uh, you know passing it on as a referral, about you know giving or making sure that you you understand what what the folks want, and if it's not what you have, you know directing them to where they can get it. And that's that's certainly a big piece of what the Go Giver talks about. But at the end of the day, some it seems as you work through the book that at times is preaching sort of that nice guys finish first. Um, and as lawyers, um, we frequently see that that's not always true, not in court and not, not in the real world. And it can appear at least to be a bit naive. Why, why do you believe in that so strongly? Uh, well, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say that the moral of the story is that nice guys or nice gals or nice people finish first. Uh, I think that you're, you're much more likely to be successful if you're a nice person. When I say nice, I mean genuinely kind. I mean, a person can act nice but not be kind. But let's Absolutely. say we, we use those two words, uh, you know, in the, as the same, as one of the same. Hey, let's face it, being nice, you're going to attract more people. Your people are going to be more interested in being in relationship with you. People are going to be more interested in doing business with you. A pleasant person is well more pleasant to do business with. But let's also face it that that alone isn't enough. You know, you and I and everyone listening to this, we all know plenty of people in our lives that who we would uh, we would describe as simply nice people, who we would also have to describe as simply broke people. <laughs> so while being nice is certainly important for its own sake and because it's good business. Uh, it's not enough to be successful. 
Success is also a matter of doing the correct things in the success process that allows a person to be successful and finish first, if you will. And the five laws that John David Mann, my excellent co-author, and I provide in the book are simply meant to share those principles that if if an attorney will utilize those principles, all five of them together in conjunction, not one, two, three, or even four of them, but all five, they cannot help but be successful. Great. And we're gonna I'm gonna actually ask you about those here in just a minute. But uh, in playing with the book title and one of the things, you know, the go giver, obviously, you know, as I was growing up, uh, my grandfather, my father talked to me about being a go getter and, you know, that that was the key to success. Um, And your main character in that book starts out, um, I think his name was Joe, right? Uh, he, he starts out seeing himself that way. And, and I've always thought of that as being a good thing. Are, are you saying that being a go-getter is, is a bad thing? Or you know, what, what's the point of, of calling it the go-giver? No, we, we love go-getters. Uh, why? Well, go-getters get things done. They take action. And again, you, you're you're an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. Everyone listening to this on the phone is a business person, entrepreneurial in nature. And we all know, we all know that you can have the the you can have the best ideas, you can have the the uh, greatest intent, <laughs> but unless actions put into the mix, absolutely nothing's going to happen. It, it cannot happen. So no, being a go getter is very very important. Your grandfather and father gave you great advice. Here's the good news: the the, the two of them, go getter and go giver. There there is no natural division between the two. Many go getters are also go givers, and every go giver is also a go getter. Uh, the opposite of a go giver then is not a go getter. The opposite of a go giver is a go taker, mm-hmm. and that's that person, Christopher, who. <laughs> feels almost, if you will, entitled, right, you know, to, to take, take, take without having added value to the person, to the process, to the situation. And they tend to be very frustrated because they they rarely seem to attain the kind of success that they believe they deserve. And, and from time to time they do, though, and even when they do, uh, it tends to it tends to to disappear fairly quickly because it's not built on a solid foundation. So when we talk about go givers, we're simply talking about that man or woman who has learned, or perhaps you know always intuitively knew that it's that person who can again step outside themselves, move from an I focus or a me focus to an other focus. That's the person who's going to be successful both short term and long term. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, as soon as we uh, come back from this break that we're about to go to, we're going to ask you about those five laws of stratospheric success. But we're going to take just a couple of seconds here and hear from our sponsors, and then uh, we'll be right back. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just send us an email at advertising at legaltalknetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. And we're back uh, speaking with Bob Berg. Before we broke, uh, we were talking about the difference between a go-getter and a go-giver, and that while being a go-giver is can be a nice thing to do, it's not about being nice, but about adding value uh, to the transaction. To, uh, to, to make it more successful. And we said that we'd come uh, after the break and talk about the five laws of stratospheric success. So, Bob, that's what I'd like to ask you about next. First of all, what are, just before we get to each law, what are these five laws? What are they about? 
Sure. The, the, the five laws uh, are the, the law of value, the law of compensation, the law of influence, the law of authenticity, and the law of receptivity. And so when used holistically, uh, not putting importance on one any more than another, they're a very workable system for financial success and for really enjoying what you do. Great. And so let's go through each one of them. What is the first law is described as the law of value. Please uh, tell us what that's about. Yes, the law of value simply says that your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, at first, this is very counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds counterproductive. I mean, how do you give? It sounds like a, a recipe for bankruptcy, really, when you think of it. How do you <laughs> give more that. in value, right, than you than you take in payment? That sounds kind of new agey. Not that there's anything wrong with new agey, but it kind of sounds like that, you know, woo woo. Just you know, no, it, it's not that at all. We simply need to understand the difference between price and value. See, price is a dollar amount. It's a dollar figure. It's finite. It it is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea that brings with it so much worth, so much value that someone will willingly exchange their money for it uh, and just feel terrific about it while you make a very healthy profit? Let me give you an example very quickly outside the legal profession. Uh, let's say you hire an accountant to do your taxes, and this accountant charges you, we'll just name a round figure, $1,000. That's his price, or, or you know, or, it's the, or literally it's his price, $1,000. But what value does he give you in exchange? Well, first, through his hard work, his diligence, his getting to know you and, and what you're looking to accomplish, through his years and years of experience, understanding the technical aspects, he's able to save you $5,000 in taxes. Uh, he's all, he also saves you countless hours uh, of, of doing it yourself, which frees you up to do what you want to do or are more qualified to do. He also provides you with the security and peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. So we see here that while, again, price is finite, value is both concrete in terms of that $5,000 he saved you, but also conceptual in terms of the peace of mind that you've received, which is probably of more value uh, to you than the money itself. Um, so what he did is he gave you well over $5,000 in use value in exchange for $1,000 price or cash value. So obviously you feel terrific about it because you got much more in value than what you paid. But remember, he also made a terrific profit, which he should. And this happens only because of what we first talked about, and that is his focus was on providing value to you. And this is why we say that money is simply an echo of value. It's yeah. the thunder to values lightning, if you will, which simply means that the value must come first, and the money is simply a direct and natural result of the value you provided. Yeah, and the way you describe it, really both sides make a profit in after, after a fashion. And that's what is one of my uh, earlier mentors, Harry Brown, used to say, in any free market-based exchange, meaning that no one is forced to do business with the other person, it's mm -hmm. free market, in any free market exchange, both parties profit both parties come away better off than they were before the transaction, which is why uh, the free market works so much better than a, you know, a centralized type of economy. Yeah. So that, that would bring us, I think, to, to the second law, which you describe as the law of compensation. How is that different than the law of value? 
Well, this one simply says that your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you touch with the exceptional value you provide, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. Our accountant in the first example did a great job of giving more in value than what he took in payment. Uh, And so if you're his client, the chances are you uh, appreciate him, you would do business with him again, and you'd probably refer him to others. And his other clients feel the same way. So our accountant is very quickly amassing what we call an army of personal walking ambassadors. And as he continues to add that kind of exceptional value to the lives of more and more people, his income will continue to grow and grow. So where value is the you know law of value, number one, that's the, the foundational principle. Uh, it, it doesn't stop there because if you have one client, no matter how great a value, the chances are you're not going to have a, a terrific income. You know, Even if it's a super client, you're still living in fear that you're going to lose that client. So what you want to do is also understand that your compensation is also a matter of impact how many lives you're able to touch with that value. Does that make sense? It uh, totally makes sense. And uh, yeah, and, and as you said, the, if you're doing law number one, law number two should uh, naturally be able to grow. I, I, exactly. Both through, you know, the people who become your, your personal walking ambassadors because they're your, they're your clients who love you, but also because you're going to utilize the good marketing and, and uh, basic networking strategies in order to grow your business, you know, otherwise. Great. Okay. Well, so that brings us then to the third law, which does sound distinct, which is described um, in your book as the law of influence. Can you tell us a little bit more about that one? Yes. This one says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, again, you know, this one sounds counterintuitive at, at best and perhaps downright counter productive and Pollyanna-ish, right, <laughs> at, at worst. But it's not. Think about it. The the great leaders, the top influencers, the over-the-top rainmakers, I mean, these people, this is how they, they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking for ways to please the marketplace. They're always looking for ways to add value to, to others, to, as Sam says in the story, to make their win about the other person's win. Um, let me qualify this, though, and, and this is very important because, again, I want to make sure that, that the lawyers listening to this don't, don't see this as a naive type of thing. This is very, very practical. When we talk about placing other people's interests first, we're not talking about being anybody's doormat. We're not talking about being a martyr, and we're not talking about being self-sacrificial in any way, shape, or form. Not at all. It's simply as as Sam, one of the main characters in the story, tells Joe, the protege, the golden rule of business, as you alluded to earlier, is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people, those lawyers, those attorneys they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you and others than by, again, stepping outside of yourself and making it about the other person. Yeah. So the first law was about providing the law of value, providing more in value than you take. The second law of compensation was, yeah, that you take in payment. The law of compensation was that the the amount of revenue that you'll generate, the amount of uh, profit that you'll make is proportional to the number of people that you can help. And the third law of influence is other putting other people's interest before your own. Mm-hmm. And there's and, there's no business that doesn't work that way. It, it happens yeah. because remember, people don't buy because you want them to. 
You've got a place there at Trispurst. Yeah, and then, you know, I, I, I got to be honest with you, up until the fourth law, you didn't really get me in the book. So this this one was really important to me, but the law of authenticity. Please describe that for folks, because I think it really ties the first three together. Oh, thank you. The, uh, the law of authenticity simply says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. And in the story, one of the characters, Deborah Davenport, shared a, a lesson she learned that was that, hey, you know, all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and indeed they all are very, very important, they're all for naught if you don't come at it from your true, authentic core. Um, but when you do, when you, as I like to say, show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel very comfortable with you. They feel good about you. They know you. They like you. They trust you. They respect you. They're much more likely to want to be in relationship with you. And, you know, this is, it's good business to show up authentically because people respect consistency in others. Uh, I always loved what uh, what Gandhi said when he when he described integrity as when everything you think and everything you feel and everything you say and everything you do are in alignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are drawn to that kind of congruity. Uh, they're attracted to it. Yeah, which is, I mean, I think that's a really, I think it was powerful to me and would be really powerful for our listeners because I think one of the things that we feel about sales is that it is not authentic, that it is, you know, that it comes from some other place of inauthenticity. Um, and, even, and even just looking at the first three laws, you know, putting other people's interests first, it's like, hey, this is all about you. It's not about me. But if you add authenticity, it really seems to, to come together. Exactly. You hit that right on the head. It's got to come from really from an authentic core. Number five is the law of receptivity. Uh, can you explain that one? That one it doesn't sound intuitive uh, from the get-go. <laughs> well, the law of receptivity simply says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Uh, late in the story, uh, again, the go-giver is a, a very short business fable or, or parable, so there's characters that are, are talking to each other, and the, the uh, mentor, Pindar, asks Joe, the protege, to breathe out and hold that breath to the count of 30 uh, without stopping. And yeah, Joe Char cries, but in about 10 seconds or so, uh, he starts to gasp for air. He's struggling to breathe. And, and Pindar says, what's the matter, Joe? Can't do it. And Joe says, no, I can't just breathe out. I've got to breathe in as well. And Pindar says, and he, he said this jokingly, he said, well, Joe, what if I was to tell you that it's been medically proven that it's actually healthier to breathe out than it is to breathe in? And Joe just laughed. He said, that's silly. You, you can't do one or the other. You've got to do both. Aha! <laughs> You've got to do both. We breathe out and we breathe in. As human beings, we breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen. We we breathe out, which is a form of giving. We breathe in, which is a form of receiving. And you know what? It's it's the same way. Uh, in that you know, human beings tend to because of the the messages, the universal messages of lack that we get from practically everywhere in society. Uh, today, sure, but I think it's probably always been like this. Sure. People tend to think that, you know, that uh, you're, you're either a giver or a receiver, but the fact is they're both giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin, and they work together in tandem. The, 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 the key is not, you know, am I a giver or a receiver? It's I am a giver and a receiver, but here's, here's the thing. The focus needs to be on the giving. 
Yeah. When you focus on giving value, you start the process of receiving, but you've got to be open to it. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, working with the number of attorneys that I have, there is there is an equal discomfort to the receiving. I mean, so many attorneys that I know that are uncomfortable with sales are also uncomfortable being in the room when money is exchanged. You know, they just they, – they want that part of the business to – happen outside of their vision. Um, and this seems to say that, no, you really need to, you need to uh, grab onto that and, and be open to that as well as to, to making sure that you're providing value and being authentic and all the other, uh, the five laws that you've described. All right. Can you, can you think of, uh, something in particular, you described the account, which I think is actually really, really relevant to attorneys that, you know, the same kind of services, personal services that are given. But in knowing uh, attorneys, having having dealt with attorneys yourself, can you think of ways that the messages of the go-giver are p- particularly applicable to lawyers that are in solo and small firm practice? Oh, well, you know, the, the, it's, it's the very same principle. Uh, the, the key is that when you're in front of someone and selling your services to that person, and again, when we talk about selling, we're simply saying determining what this person wants or needs and helping them to get it. You're not trying to talk them into anything. You're not trying to to force them into anything or manipulate them into anything. You're finding out what they want by asking the right questions. And then if the match is there, then, you know, then they're your client and that's fine. Um, But the key is you've got to be able to communicate the value you provide. And, you know, we, we do this by understanding how what we provide matches with their wants, needs, and desires. But there's something else, too. You Remember what we were talking about earlier. Value is always in the eyes of the beholder. Right. And there's certain things that you bring to the table that you may not even be aware of that those who do business with you, your clients, really respect and feel good about. See, when we talk about adding value, it's not just the technical expertise that you have. It's also it's the excellence, it's consistency, it's attention, it's empathy. It's, you know, and so there's, there's, it's, it's appreciation. There's all sorts of things. But one of the best things to do, and I advise everyone to do this, is talk to your clients, your ecstatic clients, your ambassadors who, who refer you to others or who you feel the know, like, and trust is there. Get with them in person if you can. Mm-hmm. Buy them the cup of coffee or the lunch or whatever and ask them what it is about you that they particularly like or the reason they do business with you, what they feel you bring to the table. Because what's going to happen is you're going to find out that what you think your assets of value really are is just part of the story because there's mm-hmm. things you don't even know about yourself because you're seeing it only through your eyes, not through their eyes, and it's their eyes that count. Um, what, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, um, in, in the book you talk about uh, you, you mentioned that one can't make a sale. What did you mean by that? See, so, you know, everybody we think of it. You know, I make sales every day. I see, you know, I sell my services, so I've made a sale. What do you mean by you can't make a sale? Well, the reason we said that is because, in a, in a, again, going back to the to the degree that we have a free market economy, um, you can't make anyone buy from you. You can't make anyone do anything you you know do what you want them to do. So you literally cannot make a sale. What you can do is you can create the environment where that person knows you, likes you, trusts you, respects you, seeks to do business with you, and they choose to buy 
from you, meaning that they choose to retain you as as their as their attorney. Um, so while you didn't, you really didn't make the sale. You were there to receive the sale. Now someone might say, "Well, wait a second, isn't that just semantics?" Well, yeah, it is. It is semantics. But semantics can be important, uh, Christopher. And and here's why: it not only semantics can be important not only in what you tell other people about what you do but really in what you tell yourself about what you do. Because if you believe that you're out there to, to make the sale, then it's all about you. If, on the other hand, you believe you're simply out there to create the environment where that other person buys your services or retains your services based on the fact that they feel it's in their best interest to do so, right. then your focus is on them, and that's exactly where it should be. That, that makes absolute and total sense. And, I mean, I can't commend uh, the book, The Go-Giver, enough to our listeners and really suggest they go out there and get it, and we'll talk at the end of the show about um, how they can do that. But I did want to just, uh, you had mentioned that you've got a new book out, or I think I mentioned it, Adversaries and Allies. Can you just take a couple of minutes and tell us uh, what that what that book is about? How is that different than The Go-Giver? Sure. Well, this is actually a how-to book as opposed okay. to The Go-Giver, which is a story, a business parable. Um, this is Adversaries and Allies is really, when you think of it, it's a book on mastering people skills. It really comes down to that. We utilize five principles that are involved, uh, and and when you again five different principles, um, but when you do that, when you're able to you know control your own emotions, when you understand the clash of belief systems, when you understand how their ego is working, when you're able to set the proper frame, and you know how to communicate with tact and empathy, you're pretty much unstoppable. And it's funny, there's a guy Mitch Jackson who who uh, aside from from being a practicing attorney, also teaches. Uh, other attorneys, and he has made that particular book a must-read for anyone who co- who gets coaching from him. So, uh, which I was just delighted to uh, delighted to know. Oh, great! Well, Bob, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us uh, today on the show. I really appreciate you giving of your time um, in order to uh, to contribute to our listeners' understanding of uh, of the sales process and how um, it really can be something. I mean, once you once you adopt these principles, can actually be enjoyable. And actually feel like a gift, like like you are in fact giving and not uh, not making it into what what we all fear it is as a salesy schmarmy process. So appreciate Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Our guest today has been Bob Berg, and you can learn more about him and uh, get I think his free first chapter of all of your books. Yeah, at www.berg. That's b-u-r-g berg.com. Listeners can go to Bob's website and immediately download Chapter 1 from The Go-Giver, from Adversaries and Allies, um, from Endless Referrals, um, etc., from from that website. Again, my name is Christopher Anderson. I look forward to seeing you next month with our super special guest, Peter Shankman. Um, And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network.
Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.